Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What up? It's the Crossover Pod Friday edition. I'm Howard Beck, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. My guest today is my good friend Vinny Goodwill from Yahoo Sports, and we had a ton to talk about. We are here at midseason. Nikola Jokic feels like the odds-on favorite in the MVP race. How do we feel about the fact that he could be a three-time MVP? Should we even... Think about it that way. Is three-time winner an honor unto itself, or do we just focus on the season at hand? We're going to be pondering those questions, all of us, for the next few months, so Vinny and I dive into that. We also dive into the All-Star balloting. Second set of returns from the fan balloting just came out. Vinny and I are both voters on the media panel, and of course, the media has a 25% uh, stake in the voting of this. The fans get 50%, the players get the other 25%. So we talk a little bit about who our starting uh, starting five might be in each conference. And then uh, for perhaps the most awkward segue in this podcast's history, uh, we talk a little bit about race and racism and specifically Donovan Mitchell's recent comments about his experiences as a black player in mostly white Utah. Uh, if you haven't read that piece, our friend Mark Spears over at Anscape and ESPN wrote about that recently for ESPN.com. You should go check out that story if you haven't. That story in turn triggered a really thoughtful series of follow-up pieces in the Salt Lake Tribune by Eric Walden. 
And those included uh, stories of just day-to-day experiences of other people of color in that community who say, not surprisingly, that Donovan Mitchell's words very much resonated with them, that they felt familiar, that they had experienced some of the same things. Uh, Really important issue, and I encourage you to go read those stories as well. Vinny and I had, I think, a really good discussion about all of that. Before we get to all of that, a quick reminder, please rate, review, and subscribe to The Crossover wherever you get your podcasts. Hit me with all your feedback on Twitter, at Howard Beck. Okay, my conversation with Vinny Goodwill is coming up next, so stick around. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. Now pleased to be joined by my good friend, Vincent Goodwill, also known as Vince Goodwill, although to me, he's just Vinny from the block. <laughs> what, what up, Vinny? <laughs> what up, Beck? That's that's good, Vince. I I'm, I can never get used to you calling me Vince. I don't think I've ever called you Vince or Vincent. Your Twitter bio actually has you on one line as I think it's at Vincent at Vince Goodwill, but the name is Vincent Goodwill. You're just confusing the world at this I point. Am. I am. Does, who call right, who calls you Vince? Who calls you Vincent? Who calls you Vinny? What's the breakdown? Like I I'm picturing like your mom, like Vincent. Like I think about it as like Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction when uh when John Travolta walks into the apartment and he can't figure out where the, the damn like uh intercom is and she's like Vincent. <laughs> this is how I'm gonna like if you're in trouble with me, Vinny, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go, Vincent. It depends on who you are. Like it, it is a breakdown and it is very like unscientific, but very exact. Right. Vincent is my birth name. It is also the name of my dad, mm. which means I was never going to be called Vincent because he had that taken. He right. also had Vince, which meant I was Vinny for my entire life, which is fine when you are five. But when you go into your 30s, you don't want to be a grown man introducing yourself to women saying you are Vinny. So Vince became like this middle ground, right, of like being an adult, but not quite being Vincent. Vincent is my byline. If someone calls me Vincent, I know they have no clue who the hell I am other than my work. (laughs) They call me Vinny. I should know who you are. We have some level of personal connection and Vince is somewhere in the middle. Uh, fair. Um, I don't have three versions. I only got two, but anybody who's calling me Howie either has known me for a very long time and and has permission and the familiarity that goes with that, or they're doing it derisively because it just sounds derisive. Like it's really easy to be like Howie, like that sounds derisive. Right. And if somebody hits me on Twitter who I do not know, and it's great point comma Howie, like you can just hear the sarcasm and the derision in the tweet, right? Like that, it's it's built in. I don't know I if the same, hear, does that work can, with Vinny? No, because people don't know the hell, A, people don't know how to spell Vinny for whatever reason. They think <laughs> it's Vinny with a Y, like I'm an Italian mob boss from New York City or something like that. That's a but, mean thing to say about Vinny Del Negro. 
It is. It is. But I'm sure <laughs> you can see why. There's two Americas there, in case you didn't know that, Howard Beck. And <laughs> it secondly, took us five minutes to get to hashtag two Americas, a, a, a frequent theme on texts between me and, and Mr. Vincent. Gugler. Yes, with, with, with s'mores and everything else, like, you know, all of that thing. But we Howie, are not going to bait s'mores on this podcast. No, we're not. But I can picture the late, great David Stern calling you Howie to get <laughs> under your skin. On this side, we have corporate sponsors that gives us billions of dollars. On this side, we got Howie Beck. I don't know if David Stern ever did use drop the Howie on me. He probably did. And yes, now that you mentioned it, I could totally hear it. I don't remember if he actually did, but he would. And he would deploy that with... Uh, uh, severe derision if he did Emperor, it. The late great Emperor Stern, we should say. Emperor Stern. Title the only you gave him. Did he Did he know that before he passed? Did he know you referred to him as the Emperor? I think our buddy Tim let him know. <laughs> I think he, Phenomenal. apparently he laughed at it. I was going to say. Come, I haven't come with one with Adam for Adam yet. Uh, yeah, he's, le- he's less uh, uh, easily defined in, in that same way. Or le- he's less easily caricatured, I, I guess. Is I was going to say, he's say. not as cartoonish, but he's also not as fun. I would, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because David liked to crack on us, and he wanted to see how far he could bully us. And if you pushed back, then he'd be like, "Okay, all right." Like we've we've like that was the point of it, right? And that's the point of how David did it with everybody. He's going to see how far he can push you until you push back, and see how much he can get away with. Uh, that was kind of the fun and the challenge of dealing with David Stern. Um, and so, which is to your point, to your title for him, Emperor. I have no doubt in my mind that he would have gotten a kick out of that because on some level he'd consider it a weird kind of compliment. Um, and he, he'd be like, yeah, 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 bleep. Yeah, yeah, MF, I am the emperor. Deal with it. It is, it is a compliment. And it's funny, we don't have that type of back and forth with Adam. No, no, we, we, need, we need more combat. David was combative. That It's just not Adam's way. He's a nice guy. He's too um, nice. Yeah, I, I, you know what? The union would probably dis- the players union would probably disagree with us when he's in the room with them because uh, they're they're doing battle as we speak uh, over these next months. Um, Vinny, we are at the the mathematical midway point, um, mm-hmm. and so there's been uh, all the usual stuff that we do in assessing the first half, and included. I think this was a first. Mark Medina, our buddy from NBA.com, did a poll of a bunch of beat writers. Now, you and I were not in this poll. We are actual voters when the actual ballots will come out for things in the spring. But we were not in this poll because he did just beat writers by market. Um, You and I are fortunate enough to have escaped the uh, uh, vicious treadmill that is covering a team on a daily basis. Um, But in the who is on track to win MVP, this was interesting because this has been all over the map, whether it's uh, Tim Bontem's straw poll for ESPN last month, whether it's just the day-to-day stuff. This has been all over the place. Who is on track to win MVP? He he polls people in every market, and 43% came up with Luka Doncic mm-hmm. over Nikola Jokic at 40%. It's close, but still, I thought that was really interesting because Jokic has been the discussion or the starting point of every MVP discussion this season, I feel like, since maybe the second week of the season when the Celtics had got up to that hot start and there was a lot of Tatum. But it's been mostly Jokic, and you know the Bucks have been struggling, so Giannis has faded a little bit. He's seven percent in that poll that that NBA.com did. Um, mm-hmm. Tatum is seven percent. Durant's three percent. Steph is not even showing up in that poll. Um, now, granted, it was a one-answer poll. It's not a one through five ballot, right. so everybody had to pick just one name. 
So, you, so like John Morant doesn't show up. Joel Embiid doesn't show up. Um, but I found it fascinating that Doncic got more support than Jokic, despite the Nuggets being number one in the league right or number one in the West right now. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on this. I don't, as you know, because I think we've discussed this before. I don't believe in voter fatigue, even though we all talk about voter fatigue. I also mm-hmm, don't believe in mm-hmm. any unwritten rules about winning three in a row. I believe like it's you're supposed to be judged on the season in front of you alone. But the more I see results like this and the more I hear people in our industry discussing voter fatigue and that three times is different, I start to wonder, man, are, are we actually heading toward an April ballot decision where these things are going to come into play? What do you what do you think of where we are on this? I think it will. Um, I don't I, I mean, not to get, imp, you know, be like an emperor about this, but not to get super serious about it. But, you know, I do take my MVP vote. I do take my awards vote pretty seriously because it is reflective of his history. It becomes history. And you go you go through the record books. And of course, history isn't always right. Carl Malone, two times. Um, <laughs> but usually you look at NBA history and you're like, man, this this really means something to give somebody to award someone. It's not to give him because if he w- wins it, he wins it. It's not us he giving. It. Yeah. But for someone to win three straight MVPs, that's a that is a pretty heavy, a, a heavy crown. And it's not to say that he's not deserving. And I would have zero problem giving him my vote this year. I did not give him my vote last year. Um, Howard, I don't know about you, but my criteria starts with at least 50 games. Like yeah. your team should win. win. 50 wins. Yes. 50, I'm, 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 with, I'm with you on this. I'm a stickler on this. And I, like you, I did not vote for Jokic at the top of my ballot last season. He would be my leader right now, by the way. This is not anti-Jokic at all. I, I voted for him the first time he won it at the top mm-hmm. of my ballot last mm-hmm. year, based in part, at least, on wins. Yeah, I had Giannis at the top of my ballot last year. Uh, anyway, go ahead. No, and, and that was the thing. I had Giannis at the top of my ballot last year. I think I might have had Jokic either second or third. Like, so he wasn't you know, yeah. that far off the path. I voted for him when he overwhelmingly lapped the field a couple of years ago. I think he was, what, five second-place votes or something like that. It, it was one of the most overwhelming uh, MVP votes when people thought that we couldn't vote for Jokic for whatever reason. Like, and I think my problem with the narrative is, is it comes to it. Maybe it's Mike Malone, who I actually really do like. It Michael, to, by the way, Michael Malone. There you go. Sorry. <laughs> it's, how could you not vote for Nikola Jokic? I know he doesn't run fast or jump high. Like we're stupid, you know. Like, 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 like this is like a triathlon or something, and we're judging you on the measurables of how fast you run or how high you jump. We're watching basketball. We get it. I think I rail against both narratives because there's a narrative that says Jokic shouldn't win it because it's three in a row and his team mm-hmm. isn't hasn't been any good really you know in terms of a championship versus the how could you not vote for him which pretty much insults the intelligence of everybody that actually has a vote so for me i don't know how you feel about this i think up until this injury i was giving really really strong consideration to kevin durant yes yes because that for him to carry that team from where it was to where they are I mean, it fits the narrative, right? Yeah. You know, the comeback story and everything else, and it's cute and all that thing. But he's played the almost the best basketball of his career when nobody, none of us, not any of us thought that he could actually get back to where he was five or six years ago. Yeah. And, and now the not, injury has kind of stopped that a little bit. Right. And it's not just the baseline of saying like, oh, Kevin Durant is MVP of his own 
career of his own career arc here because he has come back from this thing. Like, no, it's not a comeback award, and and we're not judging anybody on a curve. But his numbers were, before he went down were actually exceeding some of his best seasons before the Achilles injury. So mm-hmm. it's not it's not rewarding him for that. To be clear, it's more that yes, at that part of it is striking, sure, um, and yes, the Nets started off really badly. In part because of the instability that Kevin Durant created, right? Like some Mm -hmm. people may say he can't be MVP because this is a guy who started off the season with a trade demand. It's like, I don't even want to be part of this team. How can you be MVP of that team? Uh, There are are certain things that I think are fair off the court stuff to bring into play on these things. If you've destabilized your team, I don't think you can be MVP. But Kevin Durant, the destabilization aspect or that part of it, was in July, August, September, maybe even bleeding into October. I would, no, actually, no. By that time, he'd issued the statement that says I'm coming back. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 w- I would overlook that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on an offseason trade demand if Kevin Durant is single-handedly, almost single-handedly, elevating the Nets from team dysfunction to legit contender in the East. And yeah, the injury complicates it. We'll see, right? Like you and I can't sit here in, in mid-January knowing what the totals are going to be in April, right? If Kevin right. Durant only misses eight to 10 games, by modern standards, if you play 70-72, that's, that's fantastic. That's fine. That's plenty. And we don't know what the other MVP candidates, what their games played or minutes played or everything. Like, it's it's everything comes into play at the end. Right now, we're, we're, we're doing it based on, on what we've seen to date. I'm with you. Um, if Durant is not out right now, and we're doing the, you have to pick somebody right now. Right now, I'm probably picking Jokic. But if Durant weren't out, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a debate. And Tatum is still in that discussion, too. Yes, he is. Curry's kind of faded because he's been out. Um, it, it's, it's, it'll be a tough race, as always. But I, I do wonder. So let, let's go back to this. The three times in a row thing. <clears throat> we're, I'm going to say we. It's not me. I, the collective we, right? You and me and our right. colleagues in the media who will eventually vote on this. And, and probably fans, too. Everybody who discusses this. I think there is at least some reluctance to the idea that, well, if there's only been three guys to ever win three in a row, and it's Bird and Wilt and Bill Russell, and Jokic... You know, it's this is a regular season award, not a not a postseason award. But it's like, well, Jokic hasn't won championships yet, and Jokic isn't in the same category with those guys. And now we're going to give him something that only those guys have gotten. Almost by definition of history, right? If history is our guide, if history mm-hmm. sets the parameters for how we classify players and how we elevate them and what tier we put them in and where they are in the pyramid or all these different things, when we talk about the scope of history, it does start to weigh on you a little bit. That wait a minute, hold on. In the scope of history, there's only been three guys, and these are three of the greatest ever. And Jokic has the talent to be one of the greatest ever, but he's still mid-career, hasn't won anything in the postseason yet, and you almost don't want to give him an honor that has only been claimed by three absolute titans of the game. I think that's a fair thing to discuss. I don't know if it's a fair thing to hold against him when we're voting in April. I, I like I, I I don't want to dismiss it. it. It it matters. The history matters. Right. But at the same time, if he's the best player this season, and not just the best player, but you know, you and I agree on this. Best player on a team that matters, right? Mm-hmm. Fifty plus wins, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. legit chance to make the finals. That's why I didn't vote for him last year. Yep. Because that that was not the case for the Nuggets. But this year, I I I I don't have a case against him unless somebody else can knock him off. And if the only case against him is 
we can't put him in a, in a category with Larry Bird and Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell. I don't know if I can if I can do it on that basis. It's part of the discussion. And the one thing you said, Howard, you said if history is our guide and there is a respect, you know, for history in, in that way. So I, I take it greatly into account. Like I remember the last time that there could have been a player to win three in a row realistically was LeBron in 2011. Mm-hmm. And he was by virtue of the decision disqualified before the season even began. <laughs> right. There, there we go with the off the court stuff. Right. This is what we're talking about. He didn't destabilize a franchise. He destabilized. He destructed a city. <laughs> so we were like, an entire state. You could even say they yes. just blew Ohio off the map. Which I mean, which who would be opposed to blowing Ohio off the map? Let's ooh, be perfectly honest. Ooh. I'm says, sorry. Says I'm, the Detroit kid. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Howard. I'm a Detroiter through and through. But That's no. Right. Um. Apologies to people from from Cleveland and Cincinnati who I'm sure are wonderful, wonderful citizens, except come election time. Um, <laughs> but but no, um, Larry Bird winning three straight MVPs, 84, 85, 86. All three years, the Celtics were in the NBA finals. Two of those years, the Celtics won. They were expected to be in the finals. Yeah, you can't. It's not a postseason award. I don't agree with people who say delay it until the finals are over because then that further invalidates the regular season that you are trying to make, you know, more important. So I don't disagree with voting. I I don't disagree with us keeping it where it is voting after 82 games and judging it there. It is supposed to sort of forecast in a way, especially when you look in a time capsule. Oh, Nikola Jokic won MVP in 2023. How good was his team? That's kind of the thing when you go to basketball reference and you're trying to remember, oh, Charles Barkley, how good were the 93 Suns? Oh, yeah, that's right. They won 62 games. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, you, I remember these things offhand, but if I didn't or if someone 10 or 15 years younger than me was looking at this, you would want to go and look at the standings and see where they finished and then go look in the postseason and see what they did and hope that everything parallels. I don't think the MVP is like a WWF championship belt. It's not something that has to be taken taken away from someone. He starts the season off as the MVP. No, he doesn't. The MVP belongs to no one. He just happened to win it last year. So it's not like a, we're going to give it to him three years in a row. No, we're going to give it to him this year if he deserves it. The reason that I think Luka is such a, I don't say overwhelming favorite, is A, because from a story standpoint, He carried that team to the conference finals last year unexpectedly. We expected Dallas to make a reasonable jump this year, but they're at like a 42-43 win pace, I think. I don't think that they are going to necessarily reach the 50-win mark. And for me, that is non-negotiable. On pace for 45. Uh, As we speak, as we record this, the Mavericks on pace for 45, and yeah, that doesn't meet the standard for me either. Yeah, and I, I did not vote for Russell Westbrook. The year that he won MVP because I didn't we were seduced by the number 10. Now, I can be seduced by a number of things. Kelly Rowland, (laughs) Holly Berry, you know what I mean? Like beautiful women with alluring eyes. I am not going to be seduced by the number 10. Right. So that's why I did not vote for Russell Westbrook that year, because I think his team won 46 or 47 games. Yeah, we're in that range. Yeah. And they, were six, and they were six in the West and they were not. They certainly were not a team of relevance, a team of importance in the race. 
which again, broadly, if you don't want to say it's strictly 50 wins, if you don't want to say it's strictly one or two in the conference, which are some of the baselines for the vast majority of MVPs over the last 40 years, if you want to make it more broadly, you could just say dominant player on a team that matters. The Thunder did not matter. The Nuggets last season, you knew did not matter. This is when people who are defending Jokic, by the way, it's not just Michael Malone, the coach, and it's not just like the Nuggets. The, with Jokic, weirdly, different than any other player, every player who's in running for MVP is going to have some, based on their team or whoever, is going to promote them in a certain way that's going to have a little bit of like, how could you not attached to it. But the sanctimony involved with people who promote Jokic, and this goes back the last couple of years, and I'm now talking about some of our uh, colleagues out there in the media world who I will remain, uh, leave anonymous, but (laughs) there's some weird sanctimony that goes to the Jokic thing. Like, how come you guys can't see this? Or if you don't see this, there's this projection, like, it must be because you think he's too big, too slow, too white, too European, too something. Um, right. Or you you don't understand his mastery of the game and his impact on the game. But it's always this, there's a, a projection of... Um, Lack of sophistication. Yeah. <laughs> unless you are somebody who is already supporting him. And it's like, it, it, it does bother me. It's not going to keep me from voting for him. Like, But right. it is it is kind of annoying that we have to kind of fight back against uh, or push back against some of the sanctimony that goes with the pro-Jokic contingent out there that is just so strident and so I think condescending sometimes about mm-hmm. it yep. and I don't feel like that's the case when it's somebody saying it needs to be Steph Curry this year or it should be Tatum or it should be Embiid or whatever although there's been a little bit of that from the pro Embiid forces over the last couple of years but that's mostly coming from Philly itself yeah and of course we know Philly is is definitely um shall we say logical when it comes to these things <laughs> Here, here's what I will say when she, I, I'm not I'm not sure how deep you go into the advanced stats like i'm not zach low i don't i don't live by them right and I, i'm not I'm not saying i'm not saying it's a shot to zach i love that i just just as a pejorative but wind shares per 48 minutes is something that i do go by that's a pretty good indicator of who wins mvp at least even historically even before we knew what it actually meant you go yeah. back to you know those things Jokic is leading that by a mile right second you want to hear the top do you want me to i'm gonna tell you the top five and I want right. just want to see your face when I when I do the top five. Are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, Jokic. Number two, the guy who sprained his ankle in midair, Anthony Davis. Number three, <laughs> Luka Doncic. Huh? Number four, Jimmy Butler. Number five, Joel Embiid. Fascinating. Not an exact. Not in, it's a, it's a yeah. fascinating list, right? Yeah, well, especially because Jimmy's on there and, and like the heat wind shares, uh, you you and I can't rattle off this formula. We are not John Hollinger, but, you know, it, it bakes in not just your uh, production, but it, it does it does account for what your team's actually done with that. Like the wins are baked in. Right. So right. a team with with fewer wins like Miami, 22 and 20 at the moment. I, I think it's harder to, to have your wind shares per 48. I, I think if I understand it re- correctly. For Jimmy to be on that list that high when the Heat are only two games over 500 is saying a lot. It's it's because it, it means he has a huge responsibility for the wins they do have because they're not um, they're they just they're, they haven't won as many games as say Denver, right? But not even close. That's fascinating. Um, it is, it, and and I think that's a huge indicator of who wins the award. I'm not sure if it's a huge indicator of or the greatest indicator of who should. 
win the award. And you're right. I don't know if it's voter fatigue, but it's definitely narrative forming. And I don't know if the narrative is in Jokic's favor, in large part because people don't realize this team is first in the West. Like and the West, the West is topsy turvy and it's starting to shake itself out. And you can see the two top teams in the West. And I think it might stay that way are Denver and Memphis. And. Vinny, there may be some skepticism out there, right? Like people are looking at it now and they're projecting forward and thinking, well, Denver's not really the best team in the West. So I'm still not going to take Jokic seriously, uh, maybe for that reason. But when we get to April, if the Nuggets are still one or two in the West and clearly in the running to make a deep run, um, and again, you're not basing this on the postseason. You are basing it on whether or not the team that the MVP candidate is from is a team that matters. Because again, historically, that's been the standard. If they're right up there, and he's average, like he is averaging a damn near triple double. And no, we don't want to be seduced by the, the number ten. But the guy is not only putting up these massive numbers; he's also doing it at at a historic efficiency level. Again, one of the knocks I had on Westbrook the year he won it. Not only were the Thunder only sixth in the West, but his efficiency was one of the worst for any MVP in history. It's like him and Allen Iverson. Um, so the efficiency matters. Jokic's efficiency is off the charts. And if the Nuggets are winning at a really high level still in April, it's going to be really hard to deny him that three wins in a row or three MVPs in a row or, or not, his, history or not. Like, it's going to be really hard. But look, Durant can come back and make this a race. Tatum is, is not going anywhere. Embiid is still in this thing as he was in finishing second to Jokic each of the last two seasons. Um, at some point, we're going to get a big push from, from the Grizzlies contingent about John Morant. Yes, we will. They're, they're right in this thing, and he deserves to at least be discussed. Um, Giannis probably not going anywhere unless the Bucks continue to have this weird-ass season that they're having, which maybe um, they don't seem to be pulling out of it anytime soon. So uh, it'll be fun. We'll, we'll have uh, many more days, weeks, months to, uh, to debate it. But we, I figured- we need to say this, but we need to say this. Out of all this talk, this is a bad boy, man. This dude is special. Like I'm not, we're not hating on Jokic or anything. We're just trying no. to present a conversation with some nuance. But this dude is excellent. Can you imagine being Joel Embiid and doing everything you can to win MVP? And this dude is blocking. Like this is your best chance yeah. if you're Joel Embiid, largely to win an MVP. And your body is fighting against you. Your your franchise's ineptitude in some cases is fighting against you. And then you got this dude on the other side who's just doing all these different incredible amazing things he's like if sabonis came to the league before his achilles was bad yeah that's what i feel like Jokic that would be our vita sabonis not demontis for folks yeah, who are too young to understand the reference uh, did i just go old did i just go old man yelling at cloud there <laughs> you know, did, the, I, did i turn into an old man overnight the good news for you is no matter how old you might sound on this podcast you can't be as old as the host of this podcast so by by definition you're you're still the youngin here um, Thank you, Howard. <laughs> I got way more grays in the little bit of fuzz I've got on my chin than you've got on your entire beard there. So, um, Look, it's amazing to have a damn beard. Okay, Beck? <laughs> <laughs> it's an achievement in itself. Yes, it is. Uh, now, you're right. In, in a normal era, especially in this modern era where for a time centers were almost extinct or at least kind of fading relevancy, Embiid in a, in a different portion of this, like if he if if he comes along, if he has this kind of run between like I don't know, say 2010 to 2015, he might win three MVPs. 
2015 to 2020, even like it's just it's he went, last... he'd win a, he'd win a couple if, if this were any other five years. Anytime after Shaq retired, really, the position was just kind of vacant. I would say uh, I'm I'm probably overlooking somebody, and someone's going to hear this and 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 slap me with it later. But really, we haven't had dominance from the position. We've had good centers, but not dominant centers. Now we've got two, and they're just very different. And this is the last thing I'll say about Jokic. If there's still a reticence after two MVPs in a row. And everything he's doing now, it's because it's the same description I had for Steph Curry and why people couldn't understand Steph Curry or accept him as being a quote unquote dominant player. And I wrote about this last spring. Jokic is dominant in a way that we're not used to seeing, and especially mm-hmm. for a big man. It's one thing to finally come around to the idea that Steph Curry can be dominant at his size and with his style of game, mostly from long distance. He's not big. He's not overpowering people. He's not jumping over people. And Jokic, in a much different way, it's the same premise. He doesn't look like the kind of dominance, the brand of dominance that we're used to seeing in this league over the last 70-something years, and especially for his position. And this is why, you know, we used to hear a lot of grumbling from the old school big men, right? It was like, you know, go get go, get your butt down the low post and, and dunk on fools. Is that, is that your Shaq impression? No, my Shaq impression would be more like this. Vinny Goodwill, I see you. Is it Vinny or Vince? Is it Vincent? I'm going to call you Vincent. Um, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. Seven years covering Shaq, and that's all we would do half the time, <laughs> sitting there covering the games to amuse ourselves when the games are out of hand or whatever. We're doing Shaq impressions, Del Harris impressions. Nobody really did a Kobe impression. Um, Depends on what version of Kobe there there was. There was the Kobe imitating Mike uh, with his speech <laughs> inflections, and you know what I mean. There was there's that. Like, you, we talk about hairless Kobe. We talk about Afro Kobe. We didn't talk about voice inflection Kobe. Voice inflection Kobe. That was a, that was absolutely a thing. Jutting chin Kobe during those during the Mamba years, where he decided I've I've got to just look like I want to kill everybody at all times. Yeah, drop drop my finish. Yeah, I can't I can't get the chin quite out as far as he did. Uh, yeah, bad Shaq impressions. Very much a staple of Laker beat writing back in the day. <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. So no, Jokic doesn't dominate the way that Shaq did or the way that, you know, Akeem did or the way that Wilt did, whatever. So there's that. And so I I do think that it's harder for people to look at. Also, frankly, like we look at like, like Giannis fits the bill, right? Still, like you just look at what Giannis does. You look at what Durant does, their style of play. Again, big, powerful, dunking, jumping high, all these things that we associate with great NBA players. And like, Jokic does it different. And like I say, I, I think it's very analogous to, to the Steph thing. It's a different model for a different time. And you got to adapt your, 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 your kind of your, your thought process and the, and the, 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 uh, yeah, I, it's an ide- it's an ideological, ide- ideological. It's thing. aesthetic too. Yes. And here's the other part of it with Steph, there was a hesitance to embrace what was coming? The three-point shot was coming to revolutionize yeah. the league, and he was the face of it. But you could at least pair Steph with the style of play of the league. You can't pair Jokic with the style of play of the league. He is one of one. And like you said, you consider most big guys, I think he's the other part of this, he doesn't protect the rim. I think yeah. if he did all that and he protected the rim, that would more or less make it easier for us to embrace. Ah, look at him. Look at what he's doing. He's doing the triple doubles and he's swatting your shit to the third row. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like we're cavemen sometimes at the end of the day. Well, and that, that's and defense, kind of a part of it. And, and defense matters. But listen, uh, Dirk wasn't exactly like wowing the world defensively when he won MVP and, and he won one. He didn't win two or three in a row. Um, but other guys have won MVP without necessarily be James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Like you can win MVP without being uh, an even average defender. So we can't hold it against Jokic if we didn't hold it against anybody else. And we haven't. He's won two in a row. Right. But the Embiid camp, that's what they're going to come back with is, well, our guy does it at both ends at a high level. I get that. Um, Jokic is just off the charts. So um, but we will have months and months left to uh, to debate that one. Um while we're debating honors, uh, you and I are recording this a couple hours before the next returns of the All-Star ballots are coming out from the fans. I just want to hit this real quick because we got the first returns last week. Some surprises, kind of more about who wasn't on the, the top five or the uh, the starting uh, track for the fans. Um, but it was interesting. So the, in the first returns in the West, the fans had front court LeBron, Jokic and Anthony Davis and the, and the guards were Curry and Doncic. I'm going to agree with the fans. Like you and I are also going to be voters for like the, the media part of this. We're 25%. The fans are 50%. Players are 25%. We're not here to rubber stamp. We're here. Like fans are going to vote based on some combination of popularity and who they want to see and all that. The players will vote based on whatever it is. Players vote 
on I don't understand player votes. If you look at those ballots every year, they are wild. Um, we in the media, in theory, are voting based on who's the most deserving in our view. Um, so the the fans went with LeBron, Jokic, AD in the front court, Curry, Doncic in the backcourt for the West. I'm going to say yes to Doncic, probably yes to Curry despite him being out right now. Yes to LeBron and Jokic, no to Anthony Davis. Um, that's where I'm at. I'm 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 not sure who my third front court will be, and we we have a, like a week still before we have to file ours. It's a weird thing because I'm so tempted to put Zion Williams in there, mm. right? Zion and is strong candidate, but also out right now. Also out stretch. right now, and can we put Steph as an All Star starter? A because of where his team is, and B because of the time that he's missed when you have John Morant sitting right there. That is something I've been thinking a lot about. Now, Curry has missed, as you and I talked. So, one, he's back, so that helps. He's at least back. He's missed 14 of 41 games. That's a pretty big chunk. That's a third, right? That's about a third. About a third, a little less than a third. Yeah, I mean, um, so it it's a lot. And if we, if we were talking about full season awards, excuse me, it's a little more than a third, 34%. Um, your math better than mine, Vinny. Um, if we were talking about this at the end of the season, I would be the first in line saying like... Man, third of the season is too much. Um, so third of a half season. <laughs> he's also Steph, though. And so this is where it start, you start to lean the other way, like, uh, but he's Steph. Does he get the Steph exception? We have the LeBron exception. Um, yes, we do. Do we have the, this? you know, I, I, listen, I wouldn't argue it either way. I don't know where I'll come down a week from now when I have to file the ballot, but it's Doncic and it's either Curry or Morant for that one. That's, that's for sure. AD's missed a long, long stretch and still isn't even back. So like, easy to, to, to excise him, I think. And yeah, Zion out right now. And so that's problematic, but the other candidates like Jaron Jackson Jr. Would be a good one, but he's missed 25 games. Zion's missed 29, by the way, as we speak. Um, and then you want, well, so if we're going to start, if it doesn't even feel like Zion's missed that much. Uh, is it, wait, did I put down the missed 29 or he's played 29? Maybe he's played, excuse me. He's played 29. I think um, yeah, he's played 29. I was like, wait a minute. It doesn't feel I, like he missed that much, but you're right. He played. He's played 29 games. Yeah. So missed. Uh, so missed uh, 12 of 41. Um, so it, it, it that's that's a, a sizable number missed, but it's also a pretty good number that he's actually played. Um, and then if you're if you're really going to go uh, hardline on the injury stuff and availability, then then we're, now we're down to I don't want to say down to because they're playing great, but uh, Lowry Markin and Demonte Sabonis. Um, yep. <clears throat> and that's that's the next level there. So that's what I'm still weighing. I'm not I don't I'm not expecting us to make the decisions uh, in real time here on this pod. But we've got a week to to, to do this. We've got a week for, of, of more games as well. Um, but I think it's going to be a difficult one. The East, the fans in the first returns had Durant, Giannis, and Bead, and at guard they had Kyrie and Donovan Mitchell. Um, on this one, so front court. Giannis, absolutely. Durant, probably, despite him being out now. We know that if Durant's not back in time, Adam Silver will replace him. So I'm not going right. to anticipate, well, he can't play anyway, so I'm going to knock him out. He hasn't, like, he's played the majority of the game still, by far. Right. He just right. went down. So he's played definitely enough and has played an incredibly high level. So I'm good with Durant and Giannis. That third front court spot, Embiid versus Tatum, is just going to torture us all. Um, and then at guard, Donovan Mitchell's a lock. Yep. Second guard. I, I know the fans love watching Kyrie. Um, Kyrie can't make it over 
over Jalen Brown the season he's having for the Celtics. And the Celtics have been the best team in the league all season. What do you think? I'm kind of with you there. And this is not an anti-Kyrie sort of spiel that either one of us are no. on. And and destabilizing the net season and everything else. He's also played remarkably consistent basketball since he's come back. Now, part of that is because of the contract and everything else. But, yeah, Jalen Brown has been excellent for Boston and, and turned himself into a score that I wasn't sure that he could have to be perfectly honest. But once again, you don't judge off of the curve of, well, I didn't expect this from him. You judge based off of the performance. And I do think that Jalen Brown deserves an all-star starting nod, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Kyrie in that spot. I do think that Donovan Mitchell deserves, you know, deserves strong consideration. If not, is a mortal lock for that. We know, unfortunately, who's going to be the odd man out in the Eastern Conference front court. If it's if it's four guys and it's three spots, Embiid is going to be the, the guy on the outside. Yeah. And voting and largely because of the games that he's missed. I think Stan Van Gundy, uh who who is like a wonderful, wonderful follow on Twitter and wonderful when he's not coaching. You know what I mean? Like he's miserable <laughs> when he's not coaching, but delightful when he's not coaching and miserable when he is coaching just because he can't get it out of his system. But he's a delightful follow on Twitter and a great announcer. But Stan basically put out his all-star ballot. Of, I think it was maybe last Saturday or Saturday before. And he said, and I texted him. I said, what about Embiid? And he says, you didn't read Vincent. 80% of games. <laughs> I don't do the stand. You get Vincent eighty percent of games. No, that, and that was the thing. Like MB hadn't played eighty eighty percent of the games. Kevin Durant, up until this injury, will likely reach that, still be above that threshold, right? And Tatum yeah. is strongly in the MVP conversation, so it feels like. Embiid is just catching hell from all sides. Like, he can't win MVP. He can't even make an all-star start. You know how, like, forgive my French, how shitty you have to feel if you are Joel Embiid and you're like, wait, I'm coming second to Jokic and then I'm coming fifth to Giannis and Tatum and Kevin Durant when nobody wants to guard me? I would I would be incensed. I mean, listen, how about this? Again, born at the wrong time because up until seven, eight years ago, Center was still a designation on the all-star ballot. And then the NBA decided, oh, you know what? Uh, the center position's kind of faded since Shaq retired and we really don't have, and you know, we don't want more Jamal McGlure appearances, uh, Chris Kamen appearances in the all-star game. Let's go to front court and back court for the ballot. Never mind that we still do two guards, all two NBA. forwards, and a center on all NBA. Never mind the complete, utter lack of consistency, NBA league office. Um, but the all-star that, that ballot... That text you just got was from Tim Frank. <laughs> if the NBA... Uh, had not done away with center on the all-star ballot, Embiid would be a lock. Like yep. we we would be sitting here tortured about Tatum versus Giannis versus Durant three to make two forward spots. Um, and instead those guys are going to knock out the one true center. This is why, by the way, what people say, well, we're in a positionless time. No, we're not. This is how I know we still are not in a positionless NBA because Joel Embiid is going to lose to three guys who do not play his position when it comes to all-star, like there's no question he's the best center in the East, but he's, and listen, he'll be fine. The coaches will put him on as a reserve. He'll still yep. be in the all-star game, but he will be one of the great players of his era. And yes, will who knows how many times he might get shut out of starting the all-star game because of, of 
because we're somewhere in between, we're not positionless, but we're not completely position dependent either. I say it's positionally fluid these days. It's not positionless. Positions still matter. It's just a lot more fluid than it used to be. And um, Joel Embiid's just not flu not fluid enough. I guess he should have been working on his point guard skills. And nobody wants to guard him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which there's a, there's a different standard to judge us by too. Like who's, you know, that's the funny thing with the Jokic discussion too. Cause then we'll do this whole other thing. Like, all right. Yeah. But if you need to win one game, one series, one game seven, is it Giannis? Is it Embiid? Is it Jokic? Is it Luka? Like, and, and like the discussion changes then, right? Cause it's not about like who you fear, who you'd most trust to win one big game, right. who you trust in the last five minutes of a game to deliver a tight win. That is a different thing than MVP, but they all kind of get mixed together. So anyway, um, Let, let's talk Utah racism. Let's talk Utah. I saved the, the best stuff for last. I So I said to Vinny before we did the podcast, before we started recording, we can either start with the really heavy stuff and then have this horrifically awkward segue to, well, now that we're done solving racism, let's talk about the MVP, which would have felt very trivial and weird. Um, there's no good segue in a time like this, with an issue like this anyway. But I want to talk about this because it doesn't get talked about enough. And I addressed this in the intro up top, so so uh, the listeners knew we were, were going to get to this. Um, we don't talk about race in the NBA except as, well, the NBA is a, you know, any given season, 75 to 80% black league. Like, this is a largely black league. We, we say that, right? It's, it's the obvious, duh. We talk about it in more recent times because player activism and social justice causes have become such a prominent part of the NBA landscape. What we don't talk about unless some idiot, usually drunken idiot, has yelled something at a player that crosses a line, we don't talk about race or racism when it comes to the NBA landscape. And that landscape goes beyond the 450 players in the 30 teams. It goes to us in the media. It goes to the fans in the stands. It goes to everything. We don't talk about it. But Donovan Mitchell dared to discuss it with our buddy Mark Spears of Anscape and ESPN talking about his time in Utah. And there was some backlash. And then credit to the Salt Lake Tribune. And I, I, I sent you the links ahead of time because I wanted to be able to, for us to discuss yep. this a little bit. Eric Walden of the Salt Lake Tribune, great job in saying, you know, I'm not going to just leave this as Donovan Mitchell said some things and make it a he said, they said. He, he said this, some people in Utah said this, and here's the put... They did a two-part series exploring um, the issues, including talking to a bunch of people who live in Utah, who are black, and who could speak to the experience of being black in Utah in a way that Donovan Mitchell did to say, no, he's he's saying what we've been feeling for a while here. So really good stories. If, if folks want to go look them up online, there is a paywall, um, but the, the stories are worth reading. Um, Vinny, we don't talk about this stuff, although... Utah in particular has had more incidents of fans having to be tossed and banned than other arenas recently, at least publicly, as far as we know. I don't want to make this a put Utah on blast thing. It's not the only place where racism exists. Shocker. It's not the only uh, overwhelmingly white place in, uh, in on the NBA map. Um, but the first person to say this out loud in quite some time was Donovan Mitchell. My question to you is this. Do we not talk about this mostly because wherever it's coming up, Utah or elsewhere in this league, is it just because this is one of those below the surface things where like everybody kind of understands it, players understand it, some of us who cover the league get it, but it's, it, 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 it's not 
polite to talk about, but is there more of this, I guess is the question, than NBA fans and readers, listeners of this podcast would possibly understand otherwise? Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not as a black person, but it's one of those covenants that you make with yourself. Not just as a journalist or covering the NBA, but just as a black person walking the face of the United States, you know what you're going to largely deal with once you reach, you know, pretty much a certain age. It's 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 not acceptable, but it's accepted that this is part of the equation here. And fans who support black players who come or wear their jerseys or come to games, they like to think that those two hours like somehow cleanses themselves or their city of any of those things, because we cheer for these black guys and these black guys with tattoos and these black guys who look so different and have different sensibilities than us. And we are able to put all of that to the side because we're so benevolent. Do you understand how, how condescending that sounds, but that is how people think largely. And we accept that we, as in black people, we know we know our value to you know the larger ecosystem and in utah and it was a great story you got please look it up the people down there or people in these spots they don't realize how that they're actually being really racist when they're saying you know colored or one per one person at a, a dentist office was saying i thought you you people's teeth were had to be pulled up by you know like a hammer or something or whatever the hell it was that was a crazy quote it was insane. And then at the end, of, oh, have a nice day. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. <laughs> they have zero clue of how racist they're being or how damaging that they're being to everyday people. So when Donovan Mitchell goes out and says it, it forces them to reexamine their everyday experiences. It forces them to confront their everyday relationships with people they do and don't know. And a lot of times, Howard, and you know this from elections, from social media, from all these different things that have sort of changed the world in the past 15 years or so, when that mirror is turned on, people don't like what they see. People don't like what they hear. And they think because they're NBA fans, they're exempt from it. And they're absolutely not. And they think because players don't say it, that they don't feel it. There's a lot of people that feel a lot of things that Donovan Mitchell says, had the bravery to say out loud. He wasn't just speaking for citizens the black citizens of Salt Lake City. He was speaking for black citizens or black ball players who just don't want the smoke. And that's what was so, um, I think, informative about this story is that Donovan Mitchell gave voice to something that a lot of people feel, but again, also don't say out loud very often. Um, you want to know why, Howard? Yeah. Because we're so goddamn tired. That's why. Yeah. But go ahead. Um, <laughs> people can't see it because this is a podcast. Vinny now smiling and laughing at me. Um, but that, I mean, obviously that was that was heartfelt. Vinny's smiling and laughing because we he and I have had these discussions many times offline. Um, hashtag two Americas. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive 
receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So a couple of these are, were really striking. And again, this is, so Donovan Mitchell, by saying this, I'm putting this out there. Now there's a reason for a reporter to go out and say, well, let's explore this further. As journalists, we should be reporting on these things anyway. But like, so this gave a platform then for some uh, people of color in Utah when asked about this to say, oh, Donovan said this? Yeah, let me tell you about my version of this. And over and over and over, you hear it. This is how you know Folks, I'm obviously speaking to white listeners. This is how you know. This is not just. Uh, this is this is not an outlier. This is not just one person's experience. This is not unfairly characterizing Salt Lake or the state of Utah. No, this is a universal uh, uh, experience for people who are not white who are living there. Um, and people in Utah don't need to be defensive about it. You could just be, you can acknowledge that the experience of your neighbors may not be your experience and maybe just listen instead of getting on your heels, which is what a lot of people did when Donovan Mitchell first voiced this. So uh, they interview uh, a woman, Alicia Archibald. She's um, Fijian Indian. She was adopted at six weeks old by white Mormon residents of Utah, the story says. She recalls being at a 4th of July parade, trying to locate the spot where her grandparents had staked out. Quote, I looked around and there was not a single person of color in like a thousand people. It was just me and it felt so weird and kind of claustrophobic in a way that I can't explain. So I thought that was striking. If you just think about that feeling of like, you look around, there's not a single person who looks like you as far as the eye can see. This is part of the experience of being in Utah that Donovan Mitchell's alluding to. Um... And then she notes she was 16 or 17. She started going to, there's this digital media arts center and she, she finally meets some other black kids. 
um, and realized how important it was to her mental well-being, the story says. Quote, it finally gave me the opportunity to interact with people that understood my experience. That's something that white people will never understand because you're never going to know what it's like to not see yourself for that long. This is not... I, I bring these up because th these are on the tamer end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> this isn't doesn't have to be outright racism. It doesn't have to be somebody calling you a certain word. It doesn't have to be somebody saying some of the insulting things that you alluded to earlier, Vinny, that were in also in the story about the dentist office and some of this other stuff. It can just simply be that your experience is dramatically different and there's a feeling that goes with it. And when Donovan Mitchell, I want to keep bringing it back to him because this, this is an NBA issue. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It matters. It matters for the well-being of players who play in that market. And by the way, some other markets. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about um, whether it's playing in a game, playing in a game and dealing with fans, fans can be rude everywhere, but there's all different versions of that. Whether it's where you're choosing to spend your career, like, you, we, we, like these things matter. Racism matters at a much bigger, more important level than how it affects NBA movement. But I bring it up because I do think this is the great unspoken thing uh, among NBA players. We, it, it, and I, him giving it voice and then giving it uh, a platform for folks in Utah to then speak to their own experiences, I just thought was uh, really interesting and really important. It was really powerful. <laughs> and when you talk about Howard, when you talk about being called words or names, were you talking about woke? Are you saying being called woke? Is that the W word? Is that the, the word you were talking the w, about, Howard? The W word. It possi possibly the, the greatest insult in America today, being called woke. That That is, that is, don't think we don't get the end around. Like, if you oh think God. you are being that slick, we well, know what you mean. Dude, by the way, by the way, lest I forget to point this out, Vinny, did you see the editor's note at the top of this story? No, what I don't. I don't mean to give hell to the editors of the Salt Lake Tribune because, again, credit for doing this, these stories, and I'm, I, I appreciate that they did. The editor's note on this two-part series says this is the second of a two-part series reflecting on Donovan Mitchell's time in Utah, his critiques of the racial culture here, and how his words have impacted some in the state. It contains discussions of racism. I just saw that. Is that is that like the uh like uh the, like it's like it's graphic display of yes. sexual like this is what yes. you put on like rape stories. Yes, this is what you, you would normally put if you're going to describe a sexual assault because yes. it's a warning to people in case they've had experience and you want to avoid this, or this is the warning you put if there's gonna be discussions of suicide. This like it contains discussions of racism as if you need to warn now listen, they know their readers better than you and I, you or I do, but even that sentence, Vinny said something to me. If you have to, quote unquote, warn your readers before delving into this story, it contains discussions of racism as if this is an alert, an advisory. I mean, you may uh, be you may be disturbed by what you read. Yes. Almost, it almost sounds like an apology, a, a pre gram, a, a pre programmed apology. Sorry that you have to read this. We yeah. understand if you turn and you the may, page and you may want to avoid it, dear reader. Yes, this may be too troubling for you. That's what you. That's why you put an alert like that in an editor's note mm -hmm, is to mm -hmm. let them know in advance that this might not be for you. So that, wow, like that struck me as as something that was otherwise just you know a sentence at the top of a story that you just you would breeze right by normally. I I just uh, man, that there's a reason for that, folks. There's a reason that sentence is there. 
Look, and it, look, it, it goes look. hand in hand with the state legislators in Utah trying to say we can't discuss critical race theory and, and woke stuff uh, in our schools. Like that's that, folks, that's that's the problem right there. The, the Salt Lake City is so bad that Boston over there is looking like, hey, man, y'all got to get, get y'all <laughs> shit together. <laughs> you had to drag Boston into this. <laughs> look, oh, look, my. Uh, Howard, Howard. Like people don't know the jokes that we've laid out, no. out during the no, NBA finals. Nor should they know. Nor should they know all the things that Davidi and I discussed while walking the streets of Boston during the NBA finals back in June. You mean the whiteout in game four? No, we're not going there. Listen, you and I did three hours on radio for Sirius XM NBA radio back in July, and we have not had a show together since. And you know, maybe, just maybe, it's because we started talking about Boston whiteouts. Maybe. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. As as black people, sometimes we just have to make jokes out of things that can otherwise be really painful or at least annoying, right? And I will tell you, in the quote from Miss Archibald and I, I thought that was yeah. really telling. And she said something in the last quote that you actually read. You said, white people will never understand what it's like. Yes, they do. And here's how. When the NBA was too black, they said white people weren't going to games because mm -hmm. they did not see themselves, Right. So sponsors were pulling out. The NBA was called a bunch of names. And the NBA made a tacit, if not completely overt effort to lighten up the league, to appease white people. So they can't even handle it for two hours, right? Going to an arena or going to a stadium or whatever it is and sitting watching black players. But the second black people say, hey, man, we don't see any of us in life, period. Then it's we got to put disclaimers at top at the top of a story. I believe that is so freaking telling. Listeners are going to wonder what you were alluding to with trying to whiten the league. So, uh oh, no. So I'm asking you, like when you when you say that, are you re you referring to? Uh, well, so first, where I thought you were going, I thought you were going going toward um, first the dress code which is the early 2000s for people yes. who, who don't know. That was during one of those periods of time, especially in the wake of the malice at the palace in Vinnie Goodwill's backyard. Um, not blaming you, Vinnie. Just saying those are your neighbors, man. Um, those are your neighbors throwing, throwing beers and chairs and shit at players. Um, that was from Auburn Hills, not Detroit, Howard. Make the <laughs> I, said distinction. I, I said your neighbors, your backyard. It's, it's a broad regional uh, reference. Did you call the Bronx people your neighbors, Howard? I mean, if you said those those are my neighbors, broadly speaking, I'd say, yeah, that's one of the five boroughs. I don't live in that borough, but, you know, um, I'm not going to disclaim them entirely. Well, I will disclaim Staten Island. Let me just say that. Staten Island should belong to New Jersey anyway, frankly, geographically. Wait, are you saying Staten Island on the power rankings of, of the boroughs ranks below the Bronx? Oh, Staten Island barely counts. Are you kidding? Staten Island's going to kill me for this. Uh, <laughs> Staten Island probably agrees. Yeah, we probably should be in New Jersey. Really, when it comes right down to it. I didn't realize that. I, didn't, I thought I've never stepped foot in the Bronx when I lived in New York. And I was told, unless you're going to a Yankee game, you don't need to go to the Bronx. I spent, we spent a lot of time there when our daughter was younger because that's where the, the one of the greatest Zoo. zoos in the world, Bronx okay, Zoo. So Bronx Zoo, Yankee Stadium, um, done a couple other things. They've got a great botanical garden as well. I'm sure. I'm sure you love a good botanical garden, Vinnie Goodwill. <laughs> to Americas, <laughs> that, that and s'mores, people. That, that and s'mores and camping back. and camping. No, um, I, no. When I, when I said whiten up the league, there was an interview I think Larry Bird had with Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James. I think it was like 2004, and it was okay. like an ESPN thing or something like that. And Bird made the statement about, and I I thought it was totally 
essentially harmless. He said, you know, if you get a couple more white guys in there, get white people excited. And people got kind of up in arms about it. And I understood what he meant as far as broadening the reach. You can kind of see the NBA leaning into the international appeal in a you know in a different way because tacitly maybe they thought the league was a little too black now part of that was you know broadening the reach of the game and you did the dream team and you want to make it a global yeah. game and everything else but a benefit also of it was hey we don't gotta have all these black dudes in here we can have a little more diversity see how see how <laughs> see how that word works diversity a uh, whole different application of it but um one that certain listeners will actually like um no i mean i mean, the the european or the um international expansion of the game is more than european right it's it's from mm-hmm. everywhere so you know it i understood it like jermaine o'neill made that point back during that time in the early 2000s around the same time that we were debating the dress code and other things that felt like they might have a racial element to them as the league was trying to make nice with the broader white public again especially again after mouse at the palace and a lot of that that was the iverson era that was a lot of the nba players look like thugs era um that stuff right some that- of those outfits did look ridiculous in hindsight <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't because of the stuff. It's because no more ridiculous than Kyle Kuzma's sweaters. I mean, you know, That's true. can we have different. the dress code? Can we have the dress code back? Can, <laughs> can coaches go back to suits on the sidelines and look like adults? <laughs> My goodness. We, we, go, go get you to a good tailor and get on a freaking suit. I should not be the best dressed person in an arena. I actually am the best dressed person at an arena, regardless, because I have a sense of style. Right. But. The coaches should be dressed up, okay? Players should not be wearing sweaters that are, like, fit for George Mirosan, okay? <laughs> I can attest to the fact that Vinny, he he, he comes correct to the – like, when in the press room, you're going to look like, yep, Vinny's going to be the best-dressed guy in the press room, certainly. Now, it's a low standard. Sports writers, not exactly known for our fashion sense. Certainly, I – I'm not known for my fashion sense or uh, any attempts to actually look like a professional. Like I, I, I applaud the league letting the coaches just wear like half zips and sweats and stuff. That's the way I want to live my life, Vinny. I don't want to put on freaking suits and ties and shit. It's a pain on in the this, ass. On this side, we have Italian sportswear. On this side, we have <laughs> Howard freaking Beck. That is my David Stern impression of David Stern yelling at Scott Skiles in a in a CBA uh, discussion. Uh, that's a deep cut. That's a deep. People go Google David Stern and Scott Skiles coaches meeting something like that. You'll you'll find some good stuff there. Um, how is it possible that we have now hit David? Like David Stern has been invoked in this podcast like seven times in an hour. Um, it's you know the David Stern deep cut. It's almost as if David Stern channeled Will Smith at the Oscars before Will Smith. Long, long, awkward podcast pause there as I process this. Um, it's going to take me a minute. Yeah, it's it's still morning. I'm going to have to wake up and figure that one out after 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 we've stopped recording. You, you, the, when you do it, you will laugh. The listeners will figure it out before I do. Um, all right, we should we, we should wind down though. So let's just just back to the, to the Donovan Mitchell thing before we go. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to ask you this because there are there are discussions that we have as media covering this league that become stories. There are discussions that are just the idle chit chat. And then there's things that are just kind of like everybody kind of understands it. How much do you think amongst players, the things that Donovan Mitchell said, and I should note, by the way, a bunch of his 
former jazz teammates or in a, 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 one of the other pieces of this series that the, 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 the Tribune did saying, my experience has been fine. I haven't seen these things. Now, there's a lot of needing to not stir the pot or not wanting mm-hmm. to alienate mm-hmm. people. Donovan Mitchell did say these things after he left Utah, which I think is bears noting. Like he didn't say it while he was there. It's hard to, to raise these issues and then live with the backlash because it does put people on their heels. And that says something too, when you can't even feel comfortable speaking your, the truth about your experience. So I just wonder, Vinny, what do you, what do you think – uh, if we were polling 450 players and everybody was being honest, how many folks, uh, how many players would say, yeah, that that all is exactly what I've experienced as well, having been in Utah and or having been in, I don't know, how many other NBA cities? How much is this more of a discussion amongst players than we probably realize? It is, but I don't think it's everybody. And I, and I say that because <clears throat> the league is so young. You have so many 19-year-olds that don't know how maybe to necessarily contextualize what racism feels like. Mm. They might think it's ageism. They may just think, oh, you don't understand me because of this or that. So they may not have the life experience to be able to, you know, verbalize what it is that they're experiencing, what it is that they they've saw, whatever it is. So I do think it's more prevalent amongst older-ish players. And by older, I mean 25 and up who have a sort of wealth of life experience and can talk about it and everything else. And then the young players, once you, once they see it, once they hear that it's okay to discuss, it's okay to feel whatever it is that you felt, then it sort of, sort of trickles down from there. I don't think it's, trust me, back in the days, Howard, we were always in locker rooms. I remember having a really unfortunate police experience and players hearing me talk to another reporter about it in the locker room. And the players were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what the hell happened? And you know what that happened at? Detroit. Hmm. Black ass Detroit. You know what I mean? So it's not just Salt Lake City, yeah. you know, Utah. Remember, Doc Rivers had his house burned down in San Antonio where Greg Popovich was. And it was, you know, found to be racially motivated. So we're not picking on Salt Lake City no. where we're going to spend a weekend at an All-Star. Please direct all of your uh, comments <laughs> and complaints to Howard Beck and not Vincent Goodwill. <laughs> Um, but it, it's one of those things. It, the thing that gets under my skin is when people say, oh, that's not us. Or, well, since it happens everywhere, we don't have to take responsibility or culpability for it. Like, can we talk about this now, this particular thing right now and not do the whataboutism or anything else or feel, or make people feel attacked? Address your stuff. Acknowledge it. And believe it or not, black people know how to live being uncomfortable. We've kind of been doing it for a while. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 not uh, our when, when when people are feeling uncomfortable in these discussions. It's not black people that are feeling uncomfortable about discussing the racism. It's the white people that are feeling uncomfortable, and that's why they get back on their heels so and they, they say the W word. And they say the W word, and they say we can't teach the stuff, talk about the stuff. We have to put an editor's note that warns people ahead of time that racism is going to be discussed in a story. Like, think about all that stuff, folks. Like, I'm not, I don't want to get too preachy on this and whatever else. And I, I want us to discuss it because I think it's a good discussion and I think people should hear it and I think that people should read that story and I think that we should, people should think about this stuff. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's striking and unfortunate that it takes Donovan Mitchell saying the thing out loud that nobody wants to say out loud before people even discuss it, whether from a defensive posture or from an open posture. It, it you know, anyway, uh, appreciate that Donovan Mitchell was, Comfortable enough discussing it. Appreciate that Mark Spears gave him the platform to do it, to discuss it. Um, and yes, Vinny, you and I will be spending a quality weekend uh, 
in Salt Lake in just a few weeks. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I, I might just come in with like, you know, the, uh, the fedora and the Groucho Marx glasses and whatever, like they, 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 they won't, they won't find us. Can we take the, remember how Michael Jordan used to show up to All-Star Weekend like a day later and take like the fine? Oh yeah, that's right. That was a tradition take, back then. Can we take the fine? Just take the fine. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm, listen, I haven't been to Salt Lake in a while because once I got off the beat, like there's certain cities I just hadn't gotten to in a while. So I haven't been there. It actually, it's it's really pretty out there. The mountains, the Wasatch Mountains uh, there in the background. It's a nice place. I'm sure you and I will have some quality meals uh, together while we're out there. I'm looking forward to it truly. Um, but yes, uh, other than that, I do think it would be nice for uh jazz fans and their neighbors in general to maybe have some of these discussions just just because. amongst themselves just amongst themselves amongst themselves that's it. fine i don't have to be involved you and i don't have to be involved but these 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 are important issues even if you and i are are uh, joking about it along the way um vinny this has been fantastic man appreciate you coming on discussing the full range of triviality mvp discussions to the uh weightiest of issues which you and i will continue uh offline as we always do in press rooms and airport lounges and uh sometimes the streets of boston which is purely a coincidence that we might have been discussing this there completely a coincidence howard <laughs> love being on with you <laughs> thanks my man appreciate it okay that's it for today's show my thanks again to Vinny goodwill thanks to our producer shelby royston and thank you all for listening Remember, you can hear Chris Mannix and me every Tuesday on The Crossover with all the latest NBA chatter. And then on Fridays, it's me and a guest. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to The Crossover wherever you get your podcasts. And hit me with all your feedback on Twitter, at Howard Beck. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.